Come not between a Nazgul and his prey, or he will not slay thee in thy turn. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamentation, beyond all darkness where thy flesh shall be devoured, and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. A sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me, thou fool, no living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard of all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and that the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You are looking upon a woman. Eowyn am I, Eowyn's daughter. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone if you be not deathless, for living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. guys hey welcome to keep on tolkien welcome back guys welcome back i'm danny j this is joel n and this is episode 27 and today we're going to be talking about women and tolkien yeah this is going to be a pretty exciting episode yeah this one's been in the pipe for a while yeah well, the uh, reason why it's been in the pipe for a while is because us being uh, two dudes we didn't feel very comfortable covering this topic on our own yeah so today we've got a couple guests with us mm-hmm a couple women guests. A couple females. <laughs> <laughs> Our guests today are Claire and Megan. Hello. Hello. So, yeah, let's just do a little uh, quick guest intro. Let's let's start uh, with uh, yeah, Claire. Who? who are you? Hello, I'm Claire N. I am Joel's older sister. Shh. <laughs> Shh. And uh, his current Padawan. Padawan, yes. Yeah. I like the, I mean, I think I'm only here because of nepotism. But I like it's not. You're actually thing. one of our biggest fans. Yeah, I, really? I should have. I should have prefaced the reason why you two are here because you two are literally our biggest fans at this point. Yeah, these are the super fans right here, guys. Yeah, yeah. we get yes. uh, we get the most feedback from you two. So thank you. But yeah, how how did you get introduced to Tolkien? Oh well, okay. So Tolkien, I I think I've been into it since a kid. The first exposure I had, my mom showed us the cartoons from the eighties, oh, the wow. Hobbit and the Leonard Nimoy one. Did he do both of them? Leonard Nimoy? Did, did he do the, the cartoon? Yeah, he did Lord of the Rings. Oh, really? I haven't seen I it. I believe so. I, I have it on VHS. I, I, I could be it. wrong, but he narrates it. Oh, okay. And he sings the Bilbo Baggins song. Yeah, I've heard that. I've definitely heard that. <laughs> All right. I hope everyone's heard the Bilbo Baggins song. I hope everyone oh, has too. Good. Maybe we'll throw it up on the Facebook page if you haven't. It's crazy. So, yeah. So, all right. Let's move over to Megan. Hi. My name's Megan R. I... Um, didn't actually read Tolkien until last year with a book club. I had tried to read it more than once on my own and not quite made it through. The names kept tripping me up. Mm. So having that accountability with a bunch of people helped. And then, um, But I guess my first exposure would have been the movies when they came out in the early 2000s. And sure. I should go ahead and say, any of my opinions and answers have been well vetted and polished amongst my book club, so I cannot take credit for all of the great ideas. I'm okay. stealing them from my friends. Okay. They'll <laughs> never know. Well, see, that's very unlike a lot of uh, men would just take credit for all their friends' work. See, women exactly. are better. Exactly. See? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another reason why I was excited to have Megan on was because of your book club. What was special about your book club? Tell us. We called it 
Feminist Tolkien Book Club um, because it was four chicks and we would just get together and be like, oh, so we read this and and I thought Bilbo was being like this and somebody else would be like, Bilbo's a dick. And <laughs> we would just, and then we'd be like, you know who else is a dick? And then it was just like a rant, rant, rant. And there were many times we had to kick my husband out of the house because he was like, do you really feel this way about men? And I was like, it's just better if you leave because very Back strong feelings. Man. You don't yeah. want to hear this. Exactly. So um, we would get pretty heated and Joel has probably heard us more than once. So. A little bit. Yeah. I tend not to be there for those. Yeah. <laughs> just but conveniently yeah. avoiding. So welcome, guys. We're really excited to have you on. Yay. Thank you for coming. So we're just going to start off with something simple. Is there anyone in this room that actually thinks Tolkien did give women their justice in his legendarium? Because obviously the biggest criticism of female characters in Tolkien is pretty much the lack thereof. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think he might have thought that he did for the time. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some legitimacy to that. But for right now, no. <laughs> yeah, okay. I mean, I'd agree with you. I feel, yeah, it's it's a product of yeah. its time. We're also definitely oh, yeah. not here to judge your opinions. No, this is whatever you, if you think he totally gives justice to fem- women and it's a feminist novel, I doubt that's the case. But yeah. if you do... I mean, I'll be honest, I... I haven't really thought a lot about feminists and Tolkien until you guys mentioned this podcast. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I better look some stuff up. I mean, I had some <laughs> general opinions, but apparently if you search this on the internet, people write fucking yeah. long-ass There's papers like, on this. Like college like classes. Dissertations yeah. on women and Tolkien. There and yeah, there are like prominent professors that have done major research papers oh, yeah. on this and like professionally published Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I wanted to back off. So, like, I need to be authentic and what my opinion. I don't want to read too much of other people's stuff. So, I thought it was severely lacking. Um, and the female characters we do see, uh, you can tell he's trying to pepper them in, which we have to, like you said, remember the time it, it was made in. But also, I think we really need to appreciate that most of the female characters are just devices for the male characters yes. to. To propel them along, you know, they're the romantic yes. arc, and they're like, oh, she's so beautiful, I have to go fight for her, right, and and so right. I- there's only a, f- a handful of women too that I can think of off the top of my head that were more than just a pretty face, and more than just she's so beautiful and holy and blah, is like so mm-hmm. we can get into it, but there are women, but they're oof. Oh yeah, and just mm-hmm. to <laughs> add on to that, it's not like like the first wave of feminism was well on its way when Tolkien was alive, like the, all the suffragettes was going on even before then. But like 1920s, the women got the right to vote and like all that was happening. So it's not it wasn't a foreign topic to him. And I think uh, he had he was a professor. So I'm sure he had to have been aware of all that stuff going on. Mm -hmm. So you're saying maybe we shouldn't cut him as much slack. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Because, I mean, he was a smart guy. Mm -hmm. It's true. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, and also the invisibility of um, anyone that's not beautiful in the female characters i mean there's one i can think of who we're going to talk about but everybody else they remark at length about how beautiful that character is and so it's like oh even you know some of the stronger women who actually do things they still have that value of well their looks and so they're beautiful they're beautiful and they have all the things that women should be air quotes so i think that says a lot too uh yeah, not to not to like negate the whole like like women being you know having to be beautiful or whatever, but I felt like reading Tolkien that he puts a lot of on beauty in general. Like even the male characters, like Turin is supposed to be just the a sexiest guy apparently in the world. He's seven feet tall and super attractive apparently. Aren't they all seven feet tall? Yeah, and all yeah, that's the thing. Tolkien hates short people, <laughs> except for hobbits apparently. Well, and Hurin, and Hurin was a badass yeah. motherfucker, and he and was he's, small. He's small. Mm. Yeah. 
So but yeah, he, he puts a lot of stake in beauty. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even when um, a couple episodes ago you were talking about um, it was the um, where they all all got together at Elrond's house. Oh, the Council Cal- of Elrond. Oh, yeah. Council yeah. of Elrond. Yeah. You were describing um, Sean Bean's character. Boromir. Boromir. And you were like, and you just got gray and oh, he looks so brooding. And I was like, he kind of sounds hot. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's supposed to be kind of a dick, but he's still like mm-hmm, kind of yeah. sexy. So. Yeah. No, a lot of Tolkien's descriptions are like, damn, this person's very attractive. Yeah. Right. He's always trying to describe either how fair they are looking if or how hideous they or how hideous <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> if he's describing their looks of a person, it's usually yeah. for a reason. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, Fingolfin, he's like a six. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. He, wouldn't, he like wouldn't go into it. He was of average height <laughs> yeah, and natty height. hair. N- no, he always specifically describes people with beautiful golden hair. But what about the yeah. beautiful, you know, brown haired people? The dark haired. Yeah. Well, yeah. that would be Luthien has dark hair, Luthien, and the uh, entire house Mor- of Morwen does as well. Is it the house of Beor that has dark hair? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't yeah. Do, so don't does Arwen have dark hair? Or is that just the movies? I forget how they describe yes. her in the book. I think she has dark hair in the mm-hmm. in the book. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, though, because there's not a whole lot about her in the book. It's hard oh, to, okay. You have to get let's, into it. Let's actually get, <laughs> let's right, get into right into it. it. So we're going to jump into some characters now. And this is basically just going to be us going over who some of the prominent female characters are. Because like we just established, there aren't very many of them. No, you can count them on your fingers and toes. So for the first part of our Women of Tolkien, we're more or less going to throw out who the Women of Tolkien are. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, we got uh, some few excerpts for each of them. So, let's have some fun. So, first, let's start off with Arwen, actually, since we were just talking about her. Okay. Um, so, Arwen, I'm sure everyone remembers her from... Liv Tyler, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Steven Tyler's daughter, yeah. Yeah, basically yeah. being the love interest of Aragorn. Oh, well, yeah. Because that's more or less what her character is built to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, okay. She's meant to f- uh she's meant to fill in symbolically the the place of Luthien and like the Baron and Luthien thing but she doesn't do anything other than fill that position. She, yeah. Like Luthien went off and, you know, did all sorts of stuff but she just is just kind of like I am the elf filling this role and yeah. that's about it. The only r- real time she has dialogue is in the appendix really. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think at the end of Return of the King too when she talks yeah, about her choice. Yeah, during the coronations and, that's, and st- that's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the only that's line she's it. got. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that was one of the biggest things when actually reading the books. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, she's actually pretty cool. Like, rides horses and does all. No, she does not speak. No. Uh, we don't even find out about her and Aragorn's relationship through them. We hear Bilbo telling it to Frodo, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she has no lines, and she's literally, they just talk about how beautiful and sad she is. Exactly. And, yeah. oh, it was such a disappointment because I was like, yeah, he did okay. No, she was nothing but a trophy. Mm hmm. Yeah, I like the dialogue that they have. Did you read that part in the appendix when they meet and stuff? I don't know that I did. You should check it out. It's okay. in it's in appendix A. Um, okay. it's like uh, I think it's called of Aragorn and Arwen or something like that. But uh, it's like when they meet, and then it's also a little bit of uh, Elrond talking to to Aragorn about him being in love with his daughter and stuff. Okay. It's right before Aragorn leaves Rivendell, which we yeah, talk about. It's about as much information as we get on Arwen in yeah. the text. We should actually talk about that in an episode that'll be out by the time you hear this, the Aragorn character profile. Boom. Boom. So here's a little excerpt from The Return of the King about Arwen. But the queen Arwen said, A gift I will give you, for I am the daughter of Elrond. I shall not go with him now when he departs to the Havens, for mine is the choice of Luthien. And as she, so I have chosen, both the sweet and the bitter. 
but in my stead you shall go, ring-bearer, when the time comes, and if you then desire it. If your hurts grieve you still, and the memory of your burden is heavy, then you may pass into the west, until all your wounds and weariness are healed. But wear this now in memory of Elfstone and, Ev and Evenstar, with whom your life has been woven. So that is the most dialogue ever <laughs> in the books <laughs> that Arwen has. Yeah, I had to search that down. Yeah, like, I was going to say, I, I was I was kind of impressed when I read it. I was like, I don't really specifically remember that in the, that was the little, little gem you pulled out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that also explains why Frodo got to go. Into the yeah, west. he yeah, it's he usually her, her place. Yeah, yeah. it's because it's usually um, solely for elves. I didn't realize he actually took her place. I didn't either. I didn't. Yeah, until oh. we just read this. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> everyone, everyone what do you know? Learning. Well, because like a lot of people, like Sam, eventually goes over right in the late well, or not late fourth age. Does but, he? Yeah. Does yeah, he that's eventually? that's part. Of, I don't know if it's. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's part of canon. Is I think it? it's in the appendix. Yeah. Does he go with Kirdan? Uh, what if they left I together? I think he does actually leave with Kirdan. What if they left Remember together? We, I think that we talked be about the, that. That'd yeah. be the best yeah. boat. That'd be a hell of a boat ride. <laughs> Kirdan and fucking Sam. Because Sam asks really good questions. Yeah. And Kirdan likes to... I he knows like everything. I feel like they'd get along really well. Yeah. So I made a list of the characters that I think are kind of the main ones, in my opinion. And Arwen did not make the list. Mm. I put her. I put her in my honorable mentions. Okay. Simply because... So I, I have them all here, and I have a pro and a con for each one, to be fair. And Arwen's only pro is that she is female, in my opinion. <laughs> she doesn't speak. She is not defined by anything other than her relationship with Aragorn, like or with Elrond. Mm -hmm. Like She is the beautiful daughter of Elrond, the beautiful wife of Aragorn, and she doesn't really have much autonomy outside of that, in my yeah. opinion. It's kind of funny that, like... So, like, Aragorn grew up in, in Rivendell, right, from the time he was two until he was 21. And he didn't meet Arwen until he was 21. Nobody ever talked about her. And he was, like, best friends with Elodon and Elro here. Yeah. They're good friends, Aragorn and the Sons of Elrond. And he was like, I, I know your brothers have never heard of you. That's in the appendix story, too. Yeah, I, you mentioned that in another yeah. one. And the thing that struck me was not, oh, I've never met your sister. It was, oh, I've never, never heard, heard of, of your you. sister. Which, yeah. I yeah. guess if she's, like, uber hot, like she's supposed to be, that's probably why her, her, secret, her brothers yeah. are like, don't talk <laughs> about it. Either. But the, brother, the brothers sound really hot, too. So I'm like, you, you guys are not keeping secrets. <laughs> like, you guys are all hot. They know your sister's hot. They just don't. Act like they don't have a sister. But the fact, yeah, he hadn't even heard of her. Yeah, never heard of her. But he loved her from then on. Yeah, he also called her Luthien. Yeah, Tenuvio. We just read that. That was an excerpt. We just we read a, about it in the uh, Aragorn. An episode that's about to come out. Yeah, right? in the Aragorn, Aragorn profile. Aragorn it's yeah. a really good. I'm uh, so excited for that it's episode It's a really good drop. story, guys. Check By the time out. you listen to this, it'll already be out. So if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. It's awesome. <laughs> so let's move, let's move to another character that I'm sure we can all agree on. Galadriel. She's probably mm. one of the most major female characters in Tolkien in Tolkien yeah. in general yeah mm -hmm. she's around for a really long time and she Real has a time. pretty prominent role through most of it daughter of Finarfin yeah yeah <laughs> prominent okay about <laughs> relatively let's say it's <laughs> relatively I'm sorry, I'm prominent not trying to be silly. relatively prominent for yeah for Tolkien female characters it's relatively prominent I, mean, I agree she's like one of the only well known like super ancient wise sort of mystical elves that we know but she's also know. technically a criminal yes that's true <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, that's the one thing i give her credit because 
if you read the Silmarillion, the whole, whole reason for leaving Valinor was because I want power, I want dominion, like, I want to see the world, I want to control. So I was like, hey, that's some cool motivation for a character. But as soon as she gets there, she kind of gets parked with Melian and knits with her for, like, the entire For the whole the first book. age, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. okay, b- bye, Galadriel. Until she meets Celeborn of Doria. Oh, and yeah. And they get married, yeah. And then they fall in love. I do kind of like how in the uh, in the movie when you go to the Lothlorien, Celeborn barely speaks at all, and it's, yeah, all, he it's has, all Galadriel. He has like one line. Yeah, where is, is Gandalf? For I much desire to speak with him. It's like the only line he has. But even in Lord of the Rings, it's like what Megan said. She's more of a plot device to further the men. Like she offers them gifts, she offers them wisdom. But she herself doesn't really have necessarily an active role. She's not even in the Council of Elrond. Mm. Like, why isn't That's she true. here? She is she's part of the White Council. She's part of the well, White yeah, Council. Well, yeah, didn't she start the White Council? She's like, hey, we really should do this. But then she didn't even lead it. Wasn't mm. it? Um, I think it was. I think you're right. I think Gildlap? it was her idea. But I think, uh, well, they picked, uh, what, was, what was his name? Fucking Saruman, right? Well, uh, yeah, Saruman. The reason oh, why yeah. they, well, first, the fact that there was a White Council. The White Council was developed to deal with Sauron. And that's exactly what the Astari, the five wizards, were sent there to do. So I think it only makes sense that one of them was head of the council versus, like, Galadriel. Yeah. Because that's literally what they're, they're sent here yeah. trained for. Mm-hmm. But it makes a little sense. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm on Galadriel's side seniority. when I'm saying yeah. I think Gandalf should have been the head of the council. Because yeah. Yeah. that, obviously, things would have gone better. Mm-hmm. But, anyway... That's a good point about the movies, though, that she is more of a plot device to further on the men's quest. Because in the books, I was surprised by how much more of a presence she is. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because even when Frodo, who is very perceptive, and I totally agreed with you about how he was shafted in the movies. Um, oh, yeah. 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 But he he hones in on her first thing. And he's like, I'm surrounded by these gorgeous people, and they're all super powerful. But this lady, she's like... She's ancient too. Like, yeah, yeah, he can just feel her her, her presence. presence. Yeah, yeah, and so I really enjoyed that, and that she can like communicate with them without talking and stuff. Like, I I liked her in the books a lot. I also mm-hmm. really liked that we saw her be tempted. Um, so she's not you know immune to any right. Of that. Yeah, yeah. It she has the whole the whole dialogue, uh, the whole uh, soliloquy about uh, in yeah. place of a dark lord, you would have a queen. queen. Yeah, no, shall fear me and despair. <laughs> Yes. Like she definitely has some depth to her, but mm-hmm. it just drops off so much that it it's kind of depressing because she has so much potential. Yeah, and it does make me wonder because there is so much backstory like that you guys are talking about that I don't even know about. It, it makes me wonder if that's just abbreviated because of the movies of the Lord of the Rings tale. She's not in it that much. Mm-hmm. Where if they did like a whole thing about her, it would be really different. And like all that stuff you were saying about her leaving and. That sounds yeah. really cool. They should have snuck it in. But that's about it. I mean, she gets a couple of sentences like, Galadriel wants to see the world and s- domain and have land and stuff. And and that's why she decides to go. But she doesn't have malicious intent. Like, she doesn't want to do what Feanor Right, she's did. not a Feanorian. No, but yeah. she's like, I kind of just want to jump on this bandwagon, but not really like well, wave that's a kind flag. Of, yeah, her and Finrod were like that. Like They're like, well, people are leaving. We kind of want to go see what's up out there. Galadriel was actually a really interesting character. In Tolkien in general, because she was one of those characters where... So you had Tolkien's original legendarium, the the real old school creation up until first age stuff that he had always been working on since forever. And then you had his newer stuff that he was starting to work on, and then he decided to connect the two. Right. And Galadriel was like a super integral character to connecting the new and the old, because she herself was so old, and he connected her all the way back through 
all the way to the beginning of the elves. Like she was one yeah. of the ones that was on the great journey and made it to the Wasn't Eleanor. she retconned though into the Silmarillion? Yeah, so, yep, exactly. So she was retroactively fit into the story is what okay. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And when Tolkien died and, and obviously he didn't finish his works, that was one of the things that he was still actively working on was all the, the information and history around Galadriel and Celeborn. Mm-hmm. He was still actively editing all of that to make it fit and tweak things here and make it more make more sense here and add them you know give them their own little story developed right because i mean you got to get them all the way from doriath down to lothlorien well you've got to get an established you've got to get them from valinor to Beleriand. Right, well, except for Celeborn, he's Sindar. Well, yeah, he Ooh. was, but I guess I'm talking mostly about Galadriel yeah. here. We're talking about the <laughs> women of Tolkien, Danny. Yeah, man. Who invited you? Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, Galadriel, she's uh, almost as old, uh, almost, she's been in Middle-earth almost as long as Círdan. She's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So a little excerpt about Galadriel from the Two Towers. And you, ring-bearer, she said, turning to Frodo. I come to you last who are not last in my thoughts. For I have prepared this. She held up a small crystal file. It glittered as she moved it, and the rays of white light sprang from her hand. In this file, she said, is caught the light of Eärendil's star, set amid the waters of my fountain. It will shine still brighter when night is about you. May it be a light to you in dark places when all other lights go out. Remember Galadriel and her mirror. Frodo took the file, and for a moment... As it shone between them, he saw her again, standing like a queen, great and beautiful. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the book, is that file. I don't know why, I just ever watched, since watching well, the... What's the first age connection? That's really awesome. Yeah, I, I bet... love the, the items in The Lord of the Rings that are first age connected. Ring of Bear here, Vile, Galadriel. I didn't even realize the first age connection until Claire pointed it out to me. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's from Eärendil's star. I was like, Which oh. is the Silmaril. The light of the Silmaril. Which is the light of the in trees. A, in a file. <gasps> like, that's the most badass thing to have. Yeah, I just liked it in the cartoons when Sam would hold it up to the the watchers at the gate, and I was like, "That's just so cool and so pretty. I want to know what that is." And then it took me like I don't know twenty five years to figure out what that <laughs> thing was. So just you twenty, know. just twenty five. <laughs> yeah. So after Gladriel, let's move on to Eowyn, another really big female character from the Third Age. I love Eowyn; she's great. She's probably one of the characters who does the most independently. Mm-hmm. Yes. Would you Would you guys agree with that? Would you say? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think she's so. I think she's head on head with maybe Halleth, but I I really do like Eowyn. She got spunk, and she's also like of this super noble race. And she's like, I'm not gonna let no man put me in a corner. And I I respect a lot about her. Um, first off, that she's like, no, I want to go fight with you guys. And they're like, we need you to stay back here and rule. So it's not even like go make food for people or go like go to the yeah, kitchen. Yeah, like we need your leadership. They're like, no, no, yeah. we need you to be a leader. And she's like, oh, I'm such a good leader, but I also want to fight. Well, and like, fight, yeah. It's so <laughs> cool. And then she does have that like romantic arc to her too, but that's definitely secondary. It's which definitely is definitely secondary. Right. I would say like she's almost like resistant to falling in yes. love. Like when she starts meeting Faramir and stuff, like there's one part when he like, after they've been hanging out for a while, he's like, do you not love me? Yeah. Like, uh, I thought we were feeling the same way here, but you're you're kind of being withholding here a little yep. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an afterthought. Um I I appreciated that. That's the right way to do a romantic arc for a strong female character. Mm-hmm. It's like she has her own agenda and goals in life, and then she's like, Oh yeah, and there's this guy. Yeah. That's and she kind of achieves all those goals before she meets the dude even. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, that was like the very end of her tale. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was like that was just kind of a happily ever after type mm-hmm. type thing. And I liked how because I know that Peter Jackson kind of upplayed Arwen, but I don't feel like he needed to upplay Eowyn because when I well, read the book in comparison to the movie, they seemed pretty equal. I would say yeah, like I think he upplayed her, like he upplayed her uh, to the point where he got rid of the Durnhelm thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it was just like in that sense, I'd say yeah. he downplayed her. Would you say he downplayed her? I'd say he upplayed her as a female. Because we had more of a female presence in the movie then. Because, I mean, the cool... I mean, I love the Durnhelm thing. It's one of my favorite parts of The Return of the King, when you find out Durnhelm was Aowen. But at the same time, if you make a male character, you know, that is actually a female, you kind of cut out the female, right? Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, I see what you're saying. So you're saying that you think that she was a little shafted because I they think, I think Durnhelm was shafted. Yeah, Durnhelm was shafted, but Aowen was not, I would okay. say. Well, and I if think that makes sense. the fact that Mary wanted to hop on with her and he immediately was like, immediately was like, yes, my lady or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's confident being with her. I think that was a good sign. You know, instead of being like, oh, I'll just ride with this Durnhelm guy. He seems <laughs> cool. Yeah. And they yeah. say he's good. Yeah. But instead he's like, oh, no, I'm with Eowyn. Like, I'm I'm good. Yeah. yeah. It's my lady. Yeah. And Jackson, I think, chose to sort of upplay that relationship between the two of like the rejected ones. So they're like, we're powerful together. You know, we believe in each other. Okay, how did you feel about him helping kill the Witch King, though? Well, I think it, that's part of the book anyway, but, you know... It, it makes a little bit of sense. Here, I'll okay. tell you. Okay, so... Well, you're, you're, I think you're about to get into more, like, the technical... Yeah, it's she's like getting can, in, canoni- canonically, it makes sense. Oh. She's getting but, into more of the why did it well, have to be Pepper. Right, right, and, right. And not necessarily why he had to help. It was more the aftermath right after it happens. Because, and I don't know, I could be just super sensitive to this, but... She, like, takes on the Witch King, and then a hobbit comes in and helps, right? And then everybody thinks she's dead for a while. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the books. And then um, the guys come over, and they're like, oh, hey, hobbit, like, good job. Oh, did you guys take on the Witch King? Oh, she died? Too bad, lols. Good job. Like, they kind <laughs> of, like, brush over her a little bit. And I think I think it was probably because they thought she was dead. And so they're like, yeah. oh, are you okay, Master Mary or Pip- Pippet? I can't remember which one it is. It's Mary, yeah. Yeah, Mary. And, and they're kind of like, oh, good job, you know, good job. And then they're kind of like, oh, poor girl, she died. And then they're like, oh, she's alive. And then they kind of, they just gloss over this big thing yeah. that she did. Yeah. And they kind of give it all to Mary. And I we went back they and d- forth yeah, in do. book club about this because it was like, well, it's because she they thought she was dead. And then others were like, no. I was kind of waiting for like her moment. Mm-hmm. Like she did this huge thing and I wanted to be able to bask in that glory with her, like reading it. And yeah, you're right. That never really happened. Yeah, she definitely doesn't get her dues. But Does she I- even get a special decoration from Aragorn in the end? Not that I know. I mean, other Not than other than her so. becoming a uh, princess of Gondor, because mm-hmm. she marries Faramir. But, uh, right, but that's through marriage. Through marriage, Faramir. though. Yeah. yeah. A part of me kind of likes that she didn't get a pat on the back because she just wanted to be a soldier, and soldiers don't get and a pat just, on the yeah. back for doing their job. She so did her duty. Yeah. I'm kind of like cool, but the fact that they gave all of that credit to the Hobbit who just jumped in at the end—that was what really like rubbed mm-hmm. salt in the wound to me. But I don't know. Yeah. So the, the well, the reason why I mean I'm not going to excuse it, but you want me to tell you the canonical reason? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> we actually talk about this in uh, uh what is it? Arnor. Uh, we've been so many doing yes. so many Dunedain things lately. Arnor episode. Um. So the blades that the hobbits got in the Fellowship of the Ring, right? Mm-hmm. Those were made by uh the old North Kingdom. The Arnor. Uh, yeah, and they were um those were made specifically in the fight against Angmar, the Witch King. So it took a blade that was designed to be able to damage the Witch King okay. to bring down... Because otherwise, like, 
he I, I imagine he had some sort of magical aura or something. No, he that, does. He yeah. does have spells of defense on yeah, him. Yeah, of defense yeah. on him. And that just that wound that brought which totally destroyed the sword. But that one wound is what brought down the facade or the uh the, the spells and then she was able to yeah. you know Yeah. He brought him. down he brought down the Witch King's shields with a special dagger. Well and it, it I think it kind of works too because it, he says no no living man can kill me and neither mm-hmm. of them are men. So I was still like yeah. it's still cool. It's just she Come had this on. one thing. <laughs> Come on, ladies. Exactly. But we're going to actually glaze over the excerpt for AOM because that's what the opening yeah, excerpt was. That's what the opening was. And it was a really badass one. That she one is a, so cool. That's the badass moment oh, she has. Yeah. Um, so another character that we wanted to touch on is Goldberry because I think she's one of my favorite char- female characters that got shafted out of the out of the trilogy. Yeah, totally cut. Granted, her, her role isn't even that great. It's limited, but... In the book. But still, just like Tom Bombadil, I mean, I feel she's just as important. Mm-hmm. She's also just as mysterious. Exactly. In nature. Uh, some people think that they are Eru Ilavatar and basically a human, like a incarnation of Earth. Yeah. Together. I read a couple living um, harmoniously. A couple theories on what they were, and they had a lot of oh, they're the embodiment of music, or they they. Uh, my favorite was that they're actually supposed to be the reader because they are kind of removed from everything, and also um, mm. he can he throws up the ring and it disappears, and then he brings it back, and it's like opening and closing the book. You can just get back into it whenever you want, huh. and then also how things don't affect them, but they you know they're there and they like come. I can't remember how they say it, but he, he finds Frodo, and it's like, well, you can always find Frodo because he's on the page right in front of you, and that's how he can find him. And, and Goldberry is supposed to be also the embodiment of, anyway, the reader. They're like that's breaking cool. the third wall. Yeah, for sure. The weirdest theory, there used to be a website, I don't know if it's still up, I hope it is. It was called Tolkien Crackpot Theories, and the, one of the weirdest theories I ever heard was that Tom Bombadil is the Witch King of Angmar. What? <laughs> yeah, I remember and there was, hearing that. Yeah, yeah, you remember, I told you about that back in the day, because I was just like, have you heard this shit? Like... I, I can't even remember the justification, but it was somewhat solid justification because, I mean, he's so mysterious, you don't know. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, he does live in old Arnor. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. So another fun character that I wanted to bring up was uh, Nimrodel. Not so much a character as lore, but... Yeah, she's a big figure in, in lore. She's got a lay named after her, or a lay about her. Yeah, so she's uh, she's sort of an elven character of lore from the elves of Lothlorien. I honestly don't know anything about her. You want to hear? You want to hear an excerpt? They, about her? they sure. mention her offhanded Same. a couple times in the trilogy. Okay. I think when they're in Lorien, but um, yeah, it's like a, a lore thing. So here is an excerpt from the Lay of Nimrodel. An elven maid there was of old, a shining star by day. Her mantle white was helmed with gold, her shoes of silver gray. A star was bound upon her brows, a light was in her hair, as sun upon the golden boughs in Lorien the fair. Her hair was long, her, li- her limbs were white, and fairer she was and free. And in the wind she went as light as leaf of linden tree. Beside the falls of Nimrodel, by water clear and cool, her voice was falling silver fell into the shining pool. Where now she wanders none can tell, in sunlight or in shade, for lost of yore was Nimrodel, and in the mountains strayed. That's so pretty. Yeah. If you, uh, Claire, have you ever gotten into the lays? Have you ever Not read yet. any of them? No, you I should. think the only lay I've read was for um, Arendil. Oh, okay. I, I've read, uh, I don't know if I read the whole thing, but I've read parts of that one. I actually listened to it on YouTube with someone playing like a ukulele in the background or something. Mm. I don't nice. Know. 
Yeah, I, I like the the lay of Luthien is the king, Rachel. Would you say as far as the lays go? Oh yeah, I love the lay. Well, I should say at this point it is because I haven't read the lay of uh, the Children of Hurin. I've read that one. That's the longest one, I think. It's the longest one. But so I haven't read that one. But I really love the lay of Luthien. I read that in, in preparation for our tour and tour and bar character profile Whoa. episode eleven. <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about this character, but from what I can glean from what you read, it's, you know, again, mostly just about her looks. Mm. At the end, she talks about how lonely she is and, you know, kind of sullen and sad. She was a lonely character. She fell in love with another elf. I forget his name. It started with an A. And they were going to leave to go west together. And uh, they, uh, he was going to meet her on the shores. And she left Lothlorien to go meet him, but she got lost in the White Mountains, which is what that last line is about. She strayed in the mountains. And uh, his boat got taken by a storm and got swept out to sea. And they never were reunited. And even those on the other side of the sea in uh, Valinor have no word of him. No one knows what happened. That's so fucking and she sad. And she disappeared into the mountains. Have you guys noticed that I feel like maybe... Maybe it's for all the characters, but especially the female ones. They're usually tragically beautiful. They're so beautiful, and they're also so sad. Mm Because we saw it with Arwen, and now we're seeing it with this chick. And I feel like, I don't know all the other ones, but they always start, and they're like, she was beautiful and sad, and she was singing, and then Mm -hmm. a guy came along, and And they fell in love. Yeah, that's how they start. And I, I don't know if that's a thing with Tolkien that... It, I think it definitely is. A lot of the most beautiful things in Tolkien are always accompanied by something equally as sad, mm. which makes I you appreciate say, yeah. the beauty more. Which I would say, Joel, me, me and Joel have, I, I would say we have a darker outlook on Tolkien than a lot of people. I don't know if you've, no, have you noticed that from our podcast? Uh, well, there's a reason I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I would say Tolkien, like you said, Joel, it's it's two sides of the same coin. There's always beautiful things, but they're almost always counterweighted by equally sad things. Which is, I think, he uses that as a way to make them more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like, exactly. oh, look, it, there it is this pretty it, yeah. woman who is just the prettiest woman of all of the children of Ilavatar, and she's just so fucking awesome. Yeah. But not only that, but she fell in love with the one person she couldn't be with who has to die, and she doesn't have to die, and she went through this whole crazy mess of an adventure to try to get the rights just to be with him, and then they failed, and then he died, and then she died, and then they came back to life <laughs> to go so that they could both die together again. Like, it was... And that's the tale of Baron, Baron and Luthien yeah. in a yeah. nutshell. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I mean, was the quickest uh, <laughs> rundown of Baron and Luthien I've ever heard. Well, but it's not just... Yeah, it's a lot of tragedy along with it. Like, right, yeah. And I kind of appreciate that, because then he's giving them depth. They're not just these right. beautiful... People who are like, my life is easy because I'm pretty. Like, the only one I can think of that's really kind of flouncy would be Goldberry, but she's this (laughs) kind of weird mythical thing. And also, she's supposed to be a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And she kind of wears her emotions on her sleeve, too, because there's times she gets really sad all of a sudden. And so she's kind of a different story. But yeah, all these women, I guess he's trying to say, like, even beautiful people have angst. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just, I mean, it doesn't detract from, I really think this, this lay is super pretty. And I, I love that stuff. I mean, I love reading fairy tales in general, which is why I think one of the reasons why I love the Silmarillion so much because it kind of reads fairy tale ish to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. a lot of those old fairy tales are just fucking tragic. Oh yeah, like Super. horribly tragic. And I still find beauty in those things. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's I don't know much about this character, but I should look it up. Yeah, and, and like I said again and again on this podcast, they don't people don't give credit Tolkien uh, Tolkien credit for how dark. Yeah, very how dark. dark it is. So, jump into another set. This is kind of a set of, of female characters. We wanted to touch on some of the evil female characters. So, we wanted to bring up 
uh, people like Ungoliant, Shelub, and Thuringwethel. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Ungoliant, the first um, you'll remember as being the spider-like demon character that Melkor teams up with to destroy the trees destroy of Valinor. And that just seriously fucks up the world. And then one of Ungoliant's spawns. See, actually, Ungoliant is so strong that she overpowers Melkor. Yeah, in, Fun that, fact. Uh, in mm-hmm. that one She valley. makes him scream, mm-hmm. and his screams echoed in the northern wastes forever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's... Yeah, she's Yeah, powerful. he had to have his Balrog bros come and help him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Ungoliant, she's... I would say Ungoliant is like... Would you guys say she's like a symbol for... Um, like uh, gluttony and like overusage. Oh of yeah. Things. yeah, absolutely. Because so. yeah, mm-hmm. she and that's a big theme in Tolkien as and well. Mm-hmm. By relation, she loved too because she loves just spawn of Ongoliant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On and a it smaller even scale. says at some point when they're talking about she that she well we can get into her but she, she just wants to be fat and live under her mountain until she's too fat to live under the mountain. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. That's, Which that's is exactly what Ongoliant yeah, she yeah, was trying Ongoliant to do. Ongoliant was about consuming as much as she could. Mm-hmm. Light gems, mm-hmm. people, everything. Yeah. yeah. Trees, tree sap, yeah. magic tree sap, magic tree sap's the best. <laughs> Sign me up, bro. <laughs> oh, and Thuringwethel. That's uh, yeah, Thuringwethel. Maybe a name that some of you might not recognize. Yeah, no? she's the uh, the vampire uh, herald of Sauron that lives in uh, in Tolsirian in the first age. Yeah, I do not remember. She's so the so tale of Baron and Luthien. You know, yeah, in the tale of Baron and Luthien, uh, you remember how they disguise themselves as the yeah, as she disguises herself as a bat. Yeah, that's the dead corpse of. Oh, I didn't shit. realize that person was female. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah, cool. She's yeah when they have either. the whole showdown with Huan at the island and he kills all the werewolves and shit. Mm-hmm. He, also, in that showdown, Thuringwethel dies, oh. and that's how they get her corpse. Yeah, and they get her corpse, Dude. cut it open. Put or do whatever they do. So yeah, I don't know. That's definitely the strangest part of Baron and Luthien for me. <laughs> yeah. Is when they dress like animals and... Well, they also take on the likeness. They put it on and then take on the living likeness of the animal. Like I was imagine Luthien was actually like flying. And yeah. He, yeah, she was flying. Yeah, she's actually flying. Yeah. yeah. She's way too dope to walk. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, can I can I jump back to Shelob quick? Yes. Yeah, please. Because I love her so much. Okay, so we finally have this character, right, who is just evil and she's just evil and they talk about how sauron doesn't even want to fuck with her he's like i'm gonna let her do hers because she's getting it done and it's not because she was scorned by any man which we see over and over women are only evil because some man did them wrong she's just like nah i just want to kill everybody and that's what they say like she just wants to kill everybody and get fat under her mount so i'm like Girls getting it, yeah. and also <laughs> she's the she, the Michael Myers of the story, yeah, right? Like, she's I just, just like, want to kill. Fuck everybody! Yeah. I'll kill everybody. <laughs> if you if that asshole Sauron comes in here, I'll kill him too. Like uh, that's why I love her. But she also is a really good example of kind of an anti mother and an anti feminine oh. mystique because she's saggy swollen and stinky which are three things that especially back in Tolkien's day women were supposed to be you know trim and motherly and smell nice and Mm -hmm. and also she eats her own children right and this was a thing I I first read this and I thought okay well she's a spider and spiders sometimes eat their mates and in in the animal kingdom sometimes mothers do eat their young if they have a low chance of survival so I was like oh he's just being like a good biologist but then I thought about it and I think I was like you know I think he's inadvertently doing this I don't think he meant to give her so many props I think he meant to make her extra scary and what's scarier than a woman who is non-maternal or who eats her children like so he's making her the scariest thing in the world and I I really wanted to give him props, but I think he 
if I were, the way I think of it, I guess, is I think he thought of the super evil thing, and he's like, ooh, and I'm going to make it a chick. And yeah. she's going to eat her kids. He worked like, backwards. He, yeah. yeah, I don't think he was like, I'm going to make this really cool evil woman who's she, just like yeah, doing her thing. Fucking eats her young. It's yeah. awesome. No, I think he was, like, metal. He yeah. was like, oh, man, what if I made this thing male and it ate its kids? Well, that's not very compelling because the male of the species kills its young all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's... It, I think um, that kind of uh, uh, plays into her character that, like, she's almost in direct competition with her kids. Like, she doesn't right. want them around because then she won't get to eat as much. Yeah. And they will be in, in direct competition with her. Maybe they'll overthrow her or some shit like that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that assessment that Shelob kind of represents the the anti-feminine trope, I should say. Yeah, that's yes. awesome. Thank you for bringing yes. that up. Absolutely. That was amazing. And can I can I read one little part? There's Go so many it. things I had underlined about her, but this is one of my favorites. And she that walked in the darkness had heard the elves cry, and that cry far back in the depths of time, and she had not heeded it, and did not it did not daunt her now. She's like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, Frodo's like, oh, Alberab, oh. And she's like, get that shit out of here. Yeah, that yeah. didn't affect me then, and it's not going to get me now. And yeah. oh, that that part was when I was like, oh, she's not just a big scary spider. She is, she's wicked. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, okay, okay. Okay, and I'm like, done. what's w- so Agali was trying to eat the Silmarils in, in the Silmarillion, right? Mm-hmm. What if she just ate the vial of Galadriel? Could she have done that? It's got the same light that Angalian ate within the trees. You know what I mean? Maybe she can't eat glass. <laughs> Maybe she can't so <laughs> I just want to I Nobody do I want to make a point because I'm I'm guessing you're referring to the characteristic of the Silmarils that they had on like Karkaroth, right? Because evil things can't hold them. Right. So you're bringing up the question: What would happen if Shelob just ate it? Shelob just ate it. Because I mean, her, I don't her think her mother anything. drank the. Tr- right. Yeah, I don't think anything would happen. She drank because the sap of the trees for Christ's sake. I feel like the characteristic of the Silmarils burning, you know, to the touch of anything evil is a characteristic of specifically the Silmaril. Because they don't, I guess, get into that with the trees. With the trees, yeah. They don't really say anything about that with the trees. Mm-hmm. Although it's sort of implied that the light of the trees is what makes the Silmarils. It's the original like that. source, yeah. yeah but. Yeah. I've just never heard of that characteristic being associated with anything other than the stones, not the trees, not the vial. Mm-hmm. I don't. Weird. I don't know. Maybe it was a weird Feanorian thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Most things that are unexplained are Feanorian. There you go. <laughs> Let's chalk it up to Feanor. How did the Blantier work? Uh, Feanor made them. Just yeah, <laughs> Feanorian. But I, I like that. I think uh, you've made me a Shelob fan now because oh. I never yeah. had that. I never got that perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's like rock that. and roll. Man. There are some. Ver- so some people think that Shelob is a Maiar. It's mm. not officially yeah. said. Mm. They think that the race of like Ungoliant and Shelob could just be evil Maiar. Yeah. And in a game that came out yes, recently, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah. Um, they play her off as totally Maiar. Have you heard of the War in the North? Did you guys talk about this on we your... We did talk yes. about it. Yes. Because is this one where she can take a human form? Yes. And yeah. I yes. remember yeah. hearing about it, but I've never... Yeah. Played. And they play her off as totally Maiar, and she's got like uh, she's got like her own ring of power and like what? all this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's non-canon, but it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. You'd that's like cool. it as one. If you're a Sheila fan, you'd totally oh, dude, dig it. Dude, yeah. Because she's a straight up yeah. character with dialogue who does things and has effects. And yeah. And she's and more, totally she's different more than, than a, the, a the spider. whole ring. Yeah. And yeah. she's... Uh, set apart from the story and yeah. everybody who plays that game is like Sheila was totally dope yeah. right? that's all they say I, I mean I love her and she's one of my favorites but I, unfortunately I don't want to give Tolkien props because I think it was inadvertent like sure. I don't I don't uh, think he meant to make okay. her I think okay. he meant to make her he's, she's just really evil and I'm like but that's the best yeah. <laughs> make her evil so another group of female characters that we wanted to touch on were the Seven Vala uh, they go by the names of Varda Varda is also known as Varda Elentari or Elbereth Gethoniel. There's also Yavanna, Niena, 
Este Vieira. Vire. Vire, excuse me. Uh, Vanya and Nessa. And I'll be honest, I don't know much about most of them other than, you know, your basic Yavana, Nyena, and I know Ogareth. I know a little bit because I'm currently working on the episode about the Valar. <laughs> 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 so otherwise, I wouldn't. But yeah. So generally, let's, I guess let's touch a little bit on who Elbereth is, because she's probably one of the more prominent ones. They sing about her all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, one of the things uh, Frodo figures out that the elves that they meet in the Shire are high elves because they're singing about Elbereth. Yeah, and the high elves of the Noldor, they sing about El- Elbreth because Elbreth is the Vala of the stars, right? Right, and that's what they were born under. Yeah, that's yeah. like a lot of them. They, they respect know. Starlight, and yeah. they sing about Elbreth all the time. Can I do this excerpt? Do it. Snow white, snow white, O lady clear, O queen beyond the western seas, O light to us that wander here amid the world of woven trees, Gilthoniel, O Elbereth, clear are thy eyes and bright thy breath. Snow white, snow white, we sing to thee in a far land beyond the sea. Beautiful. Yeah, they sing They sing to Elbereth all the time. You hear them singing to Elbereth uh, in the... In the Fellowship on the way to Rivendell. And then mm-hmm. when they're in Rivendell, they're singing about Elbreth all the time. And uh, Frodo shouts her name right before he's mm-hmm. stabbed on Weathertop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a lot of, a lot of they say, like, that name, like, kind of spooked the Witch King a little bit. Like, invoking, which kind of, because that was the whole thing. Remember, he was going to stab him in the heart, and then Frodo fought mm-hmm. hard enough to, we talked right. about this in the Somebody, shaft. He actually shoulder. fought against the Witch King, which is crazy enough as it is. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the fact that he uh, called on Elbreth that gave him the ability to do that. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing about Tolkien. The gods are there, and they're real. They're real, unlike in real life. They actually do things. <laughs> yeah, the Valor are pretty awesome because, you know, they're Valor. And I don't remember the identities of every single one of the women. The main ones would be like Yavanna, Varda, and maybe Nienna. But other than that, I don't. none of the rest of them really stick out to me as much from the Silmarillion. And I think that's equal as far as the, the male Valor, too. They right. Don't really I stick feel like out a lot much. of the Valar are sort of just like plot devices for the creation yeah. of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're just kind of associated with that part of the world. So the only ones we ever hear a lot from are like the goddess of nature, Yavanna. Mm-hmm. Ulma, or Orome, Ulme. Yeah, people yeah. who are directly associated with water, you know, smithing, all that lovely jazz. They they do kind of come in pairs, right? They do. Yes, most okay. of them are married. Except okay. for two. There's one male and one female. Yeah, Nienna's, Nienna's not married, and um, there's a male equivalent that's also not married. Is Namo? Isn't Ulmo not married? Ulmo's not married. Right? Yeah, Ulmo's not married. Yeah, Ulmo's too Maybe independent they should get and badass. Together. To oh. I yeah. going on a date. <laughs> so I don't I don't know much about these characters, um, but I remember looking them up, and it struck me as odd that these gods are married and like paired up, and then there's two that aren't, and I was just like, yeah. Also, some of them are related. Like some of them are brother and sister. Like yeah. Man- Manway is Melkor's brother. Right. Yeah. They're supposed to be like They're brothers. Be like I don't know brothers. if that means they are. Well, yeah. Because like, how what does do that mean? It, yeah. Because you're it, a god. So that's why I was. They were like, well, they're married, and I was like, what? Like, yeah. It, yeah. They're they're well, like a pair. Yeah. But I, I I just didn't. I was like, okay. okay. They usually kind of like counterbalance each other, like Ale yeah. and Yavanna, like nature and earth, mm-hmm. and you know. And I was gonna say that the only thing, and like I said, don't know much about this, but I did notice that they do kind of counterbalance each other, and the female character usually does take on the female. Like uh, the, one of them's in charge of like flowers and nature, and then um, one of them's in charge. Uh, she's married to the guy, like the judge of the dead, and then her job is like weaving the history of some. Like, well, that's uh, Vire, right? 
Yeah, the, the wife yeah. of... Uh, the Weaver? The Weaver. Wife of... Uh, Mandos. Mandos. I would just be pissed if my husband was like, I'm the judge of the dead, and I'm like, I'm going to go weave a carpet. <laughs> like, Yeah, they're yeah. very feminine sort of characteristics, I guess. Like yeah. mm-hmm. like weeping and caring mm-hmm. for and nurturing mm-hmm. sort of a thing, and then life, life-giving life trees and flowers. Mm-hmm. And, and all the dudes are like, I'm the huntsman, and I'm the judge of the dead, and I'm a big, huge rock. Like, I, you just don't know, but they're all these manly things, but I don't really have an issue <laughs> with it. I was just like, why are they married? That's my big question is, why are the gods married? Whatever. We'll have to ask Christopher one day. Uh, so we're going to jump into some of the first stage characters here. Um, some prominent first age characters, and there are a decent number of female characters in the first age. In fact, I think there actually are more in the first age than there are in the later. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the Lord of the Rings is a sausage fest compared to the first age, for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> let's start with uh, some really sad characters, because actually oh. most of the first age characters are really sad. Are so, we getting into it? Oh, she's yeah. my favorite. This Morwen. Is, this is my, like, Morwen Eledwin. Morwen is the mother of Turin Turinbar. Right, who's my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had her on my honorable mentions list. Um, I didn't have anything bad to say about her, other than she was just kind of the epitome of a loving mother. You know, which is not bad. Yeah. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. No. Not, yeah, no, no nope. definitely nothing wrong with that. And that's like why I like her is because she's like devoted to her children and her people above like all else, even herself. Like her life sucks, and she gets mm-hmm. like thrown under the bus many times. And she does it all because she loves her son and daughter. And yeah, she people. takes care of her kids really well. She even sends her son off down. Even though she does not want to be parted from him, she knows it'll be best. Because he'll he live. Leave. He'll yeah. live, yeah. This is, I know you guys did an episode on this. The Those are the two kids that end up getting married, and then they die. And yeah. then she just like lays down and dies next to their dad or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah she she was great. Yeah. I mean, she very, very sad and tragic, but like... Yeah. I love that that uh, Morwen's like, final justice that Hurin didn't say shit. I think like she that's, that's <laughs> the the nicest thing that he ever did for her. Yeah. Oh. I think she definitely deserved that. She was a really strong. She's the one that literally kept the family together. Who yeah. fucked it up? Who in over and over again. Yeah. Yeah, and then she was the one that kept things together. She like kept Turin until she knew it wasn't safe for him and then so- sent him to the one place she knew it would be safe for him. And then she went to go meet him yeah, when and then she, she could. Went, then yeah. she went took her daughter to go to go down there when she could. Then when she learned that he, he was, was gone, gone yeah. she took it upon herself to go try to find him the next place she thought that he would be and brought her daughter along with and that's when they ran into the dragon yeah. and then mm-hmm. Anyway, you're just like, yep, that's right. Yeah, I remember this. That dragon. That was a good one. Um, So a little excerpt about Morwen. Morwen was the daughter of Baragon, son of Regolas, of the house of Beor, and she was thus of close kin to Baron One-Handed. Morwen was dark-haired and tall, and for the light of her glance and the beauty of her face, men called her Edelwyn, the elven fair. But she was somewhat stern of mood and proud, the sorrows of the house of Beor saddened her heart, for she had come as an exile to Dorloman from Dorthonian after the ruin of the Bragolak. I totally forgot she's a refugee from the Re- Bragolak yeah. living in Dorloman. She, yeah, she lives in a sad time. Yeah. Um, that'll bring us on to our next female character, her daughter, Neonor Niniel. And her life is tragic as hell. Yeah. I, I question why she's in here, because she is like the exact 
definition of a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Other than all the super sad shit that happens to her, but that's what she is. She's yeah. just a damsel in distress that gets saved by Right. By I mean, Jordan. my point of the one of our points of the list was to bring out just the prominent female yeah, characters. Yeah, not necessarily yeah. saying they're great female characters. Right, just bringing right. out the okay. ones that have like yeah. but she more has to do with role. Yeah, yeah, significant roles in history. And and that is a good example of how we see him use females as uh, just a plot device for to propel the men in a certain way or to make the story a lot more tragic. Like, because she is just a damsel in distress, like you're yeah. saying, and she's completely tragic because she just cries all the time and she only doesn't cry when she's around her brother mm-hmm. and then they're going to have a baby and she should be happy, but she can't. And like, yeah. she's I mean, pitiful. It's, it's definitely sad. <laughs> yeah, it's and it, definitely sad. And it adds sad. interesting elements to the story of Turin, but she as herself is kind of, she she's less of a character and more of a plot device. Exactly. Yeah. Does she kill herself? Yes, she does. Okay, mm-hmm. that I mean that's kind of cool. No, okay, suicide's not cool. <laughs> yeah. But that's when wow, once Megan's she here on the podcast, <laughs> she made a choice for herself. Endorsing she suicide. Herself. Yeah, well, I everybody just kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess I just meant so the whole time we really see her in the story, she's under the dragon spell, right? Right. And and then once she gets out of the dragon spell and she realizes how much shit she's in, she's like, I'm out because this is terrible yeah, I'm done, yeah. and it's not it's not that no it's not good and it's not anything but she actually like you said made a decision for herself and she ends it on her terms we do there not condone yeah. suicide no 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 no. no. we no. do not condone suicide but ending it on your terms if you've cooler been way to go than not if you've been under a dragon <laughs> spell for like 25 years and had an incest relationship with your brother yeah, and you have a, a baby inside of you that's your yeah, brother's I don't we can talk i don't think anyone could blame you nobody's blaming <laughs> neonor an excerpt from the children of hurin about neonor niniel Glaurung stirred for the last time, and a quiver ran through all his body, and he opened his baleful eyes a slit, and the moon gleamed in them, as gasping he spoke. Hail Neonor, daughter of Hurin, we meet again ere we end. I give you joy that you have found your brother at last, and now you shall know him, a stabber in the dark, treacherous to foes, faithless to friends, and a curse unto his kin, Turin, son of Hurin. But the worst of all his deeds you shall feel in yourself. She came to her feet and stood pale as a wraith in the moon, and looked down on Turin and cried, Farewell, O twice beloved. Ah, Turin Turumbar, Turun Ambartanen, master of doom, by doom mastered, O happy to be dead. That is my favorite section of the Children of Hurin right there. That is the saddest fucking line in all of Tolkien. Farewell, twice beloved, Turin Turambar, master of doom by doom mastered. Oh, happy to be dead. God, it's there's nothing like it. That's my favorite story. I love the Children of Hurin. It's so sad. It's great. It's great. All right, let's shift to something a little bit less sad. So another first age lady that Claire brought up earlier, Lady Halleth, who is one of my personal strong female characters in the Tolkien Legendarium. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She doesn't have a lot of stories about her, which kind of sucks. No, that's the only negative I had about her. Was Not that much, She's a yeah. very small blip in the story, but she is so fucking awesome. Yeah, she's also called Halleth the Hunter. She's basically, of the three original uh, lines of men from the first age, from, of the Edain, usually those are... The leaders of the houses are are men, right? I mean, it's usually pretty patriarchal. She yeah. was the leader of her house because her father was, and brothers died. Her father and brothers died, and she was just so fucking badass. They were like, "She's obviously our leader." She kind of reminds me of uh oh, what's that one character from Game of Thrones from the Iron Islands? Oh, 
Um, uh, oh, his sister. Yeah. What's his name's sister? Yeah. I can't remember her name. That's who she kind of reminds me of. How the fact uh, that they were like, you're such a great warrior. They're like, you're our queen now. Yeah. They make it a queen smoot. Yeah. Um, but I, I like health and I don't think it's necessary for a female character to express like aggression and physical strength and stuff to be an interesting character. But it's the fact that health expresses her own like, I guess, autonomy and choice in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, when she's leading her people, they're looking for land, for safety, and she talks to, um, what's his name? Thingle. Thingle, yes. Yeah. She talks to Thingle, and he's like, well, yeah, you can have some of our land if you, like, agree to, you know, kind of be part of my peeps and watch over my roads. And she was like, fuck no. Like, I don't want to be beholden to you or anybody else. She's like, she said nope to his fealty and was like, no, I'm gone. Like, I'm not dealing with that shit. Yeah. So they, that's that's why I liked her. Yeah, they totally developed their own settlement elsewhere, and they were totally prominent. And House she was of beloved by her people, and I think oh, she yeah. remained leader until she died. And then they, did they bury her on, like, a hill or some shit? I'm not sure. I'm sure they gave her some kind of special burial. Yeah. Um. So there weren't, unfortunately, any excerpts that I could find about ha- about Halith, at least nothing like super epic and cool. So a little information about her, why she's so awesome. She kept her people alive for seven days while the orc raids laid siege to their encampment until Carinthir, son of Feanor, son of Feanor, one of the elves, finally arrived with reinforcements. And because everyone was so impressed with her bravery, they offered her fiefdom. Yeah, and then she was all like, fuck you, son of Feanor. Yeah. I'm going to take my people and we're going to go over to Finrod's land because everybody likes Finrod and nobody likes you. Yeah, Finrod's way better. Fuck yeah. the Sons of Feanor. See, she's got a good conscience. Except for Maedros, sometimes. And if anybody is screaming at us for not knowing that Game of Thrones character, her name is Yara Greyjoy. Yes, yes, she Yara. looks up Yara Greyjoy, yeah. nerds. They change it in the books and movies. but Okay, yeah. settle down, nerds. We figured Sorry. it out. <laughs> I'm, I'm that person who would write in, and these guys can yeah. attest to <laughs> yes, that because I email in all the time, and I'm like, I'm actually, it's so-and-so. So this is for my own. Yeah, it's nice when we have people. When me and Joel are like, "Oh man, I don't know that." Sometimes people hit us up. The other day, somebody hit us up about uh, the Ring of Bear here. Um, yeah, somebody yeah. actually filled in the blanks for us. Yeah, that yeah. was really cool. So the last couple of characters we wanted to touch on are, I think, two of the biggest: Luthien Tenuvio and Melian the Maya. Definitely. Oh, Luthien. Oh yes, let's definitely start by talking about Luthien. Obviously, I love Luthien. My favorite story. She is. She's badass. She basically saves Baron a million and a half times. She's like, well, if you're going to go do this dumb shit, I'm going to come with you because you can't do it, obviously. So I'm going to save your ass. I will go on record as saying she's the bravest character in all of Tolkien. Like, for real. She is the only one to single-handedly face off Melkor. And Fingolfin. come out on Liv, Liv top. To talk about it, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess Fingolfin's dead. But Fingolfin tried, yeah. yeah. What, well, about, what about Shelob's mom? Did she hang out with Melkor? Oh, you know, I suppose. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a falsehood. The women were the only ones who came back. Definitely. Oh, man. See, that's we needed two women to figure that out, though. <laughs> we, ne- we never See, we figured it out. That would have totally gone over my head. <laughs> yeah, only the women have ever uh, conquered Melkor. But as much as I love Luthien, and I still love her. She's my favorite character. She's so awesome. The only downside to me, or from my opinion, is that her actions and everything she does is only because of her relationship with Baron. She is defined completely by her relationship with Baron. She doesn't it's make true. choices for the good of the Silmarils or anything. She's just because she loves Baron and that's what she's gonna do. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, that's that's her character. Yeah. To be fair, though, and, and I do not have not read this story. Let me be clear. 
Um, but I feel like a, he he flops that in a lot of it, where some there are a lot of strong male characters who are driven purely because it's like, oh, if I do this, then I'll get to marry this girl that I love, you know. So that's kind of like their driving force. So she does all this cool stuff, and hey, he does that with dudes too. So that is true, because that is Baron's motivation: is I'm going to marry this chick if I go get these rocks. So I'm going to do it <laughs> exactly. These, uh, these, ro- these Again, rocks. Again, we're yeah. doing a great job describing the story of Baron and <laughs> yeah. today. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> gotta go get gotta these go get rocks these so rocks. I can get married. <laughs> but yeah. she's cool, and I loved all the fairy tale elements, like when she grew out her hair and all that stuff, and and the kind of you know the wearing of other people's skins, which is yeah. that's dope. Yeah, I like yeah, it. It's yeah. a little yeah. buffalo bill. She's a bat lady, yeah. so I am yeah. here for it. It's <laughs> awesome. And I loved how when she would sing, she would shake the depths of the uh, what's it called, the thing, Angban. Angban. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Angban. Yeah, she took out the not just Melkor, but the entire throne room. Mm-hmm. Oh, who knows what? Who she's knows what? She's powerful and she's brave. I think Luthien is a wonderful character, but I honestly think that A1 was a was a more independent, strong female character than Luthien. Does oh, Luthien yeah. have a lot of dialogue? Luthien she, has a decent amount okay. of dialogue. Yeah, yeah, she has a pretty question. good. I don't even she remember. has a pretty good amount of dialogue. Yeah. Okay. I'm just thinking because a lot of these female characters we don't only have a lot, yeah. yeah we only hear about them in relation to the yeah. to the point where we did that Minnesota Tolkien radio uh, drama without females and it worked just yep. fine. Right. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, we, we got away with that for a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I loved those segments, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Um, talk okay. a little bit about Let's Melian. Talk about Melian the Maya. Yeah. Melian the Maya is always the smartest person in the room. That's why I love Melian. She's always like, like especially when, when Thingol's like, let's get ourselves involved in the Silmarils. She's all like, she just kind of stops him for a second. You know, we don't, we don't want to get into that guy. And, you know, we don't want to get involved in that. And he's just like, no, fuck you. We're going to do it anyway. She's like, kind of like, oh, well, suit yourself. Yeah. Then. And she's like, she's a Meyer. So like, she can't be bothered to care. You know, she's <laughs> just like, would I mean, you care about anything if you were a Meyer? I would have had to do with my daughter. I suppose. That's, we're talking about their daughter. I forgot about right. that. Yeah. She's, she's hands down the wisest character around. And everyone just seems to disregard her advice. It's true. Like, she's obviously coming from somewhere. She's the only Maiar that's sitting here hanging out with you guys. Yeah. How many fucking times would you have to tell somebody, be like, hey, I'm fucking Maiar? They'd be like, no, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, uh, no, that, no, you know. No, I know, I know this. No, I'm like, I know. You. I know I'm a Maiar. Um, actually. <laughs> um, actually, the world is like six thousand years old. No, well, I was actually there when we created it and stuff. So, you know, Thingol mm. just kind of stamps his foot, like, "No, I want it my way, please." <laughs> was she there for the first mansplaining? It she, sounds like she was. Yeah, she was probably <laughs> she was the first one to get mansplained too. Yeah. Wouldn't you say, Joel, that the first mansplaining would be the Anya Lindale, the Discord of Melkor? Yeah. He's he's mansplaining what he thinks reality should be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose. Melkor, the first mansplainer. <laughs> <laughs> A quick excerpt about uh, Luthien from the Silmarillion. There came a time near dawn on the eve of spring, and Luthien danced upon a green hill, and suddenly she began to sing. Keen, heart-piercing was her song, as the song of the lark that rises from the gates of night and pours its voice among the dying stars, seeing the sun behind the walls of the world. And the song of Luthien released the bonds of winter, and the frozen waters spoke, and flowers sprang from the cold earth where the feet had passed. Then the spell of silence fell from Baron, and he called to her, crying, Tenuvio, and the woods echoed the name. Nice. 
little little meeting of Baron and Lucian. Little meeting of Baron and Lucian there. All right, so with that, guys, that's kind of our little list that we came up with. Um, not much to work with here in Tolkien, unfortunately, for female characters. Um, we're gonna come at with you with the next with the next episode uh, with some more discussion on women in Tolkien. But uh, for now, we're gonna end uh, end this episode. Um, thanks so much for being here, ladies. It was great. No problem. You're welcome. All right. Well, I'm Danny J. This is Joel N. And uh, keep on talking. Keep on talking. Keep on talking. Yeah. Aure and Tuluba.